If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are your hosts, Mike Brzezuda, Matt Williamson, and Merrill Hodge. Good evening and welcome to another year of Steelers Preview. Mike Brzezuda and Matt Williamson with you tonight until 8 o'clock. If you're familiar with our show, you know that we'll also be joined by Merrill Hodge midway through. Merrill uh, will catch us up on what he thinks are the critical elements of the upcoming game and hopefully give us uh, and regale us with hunting stories. I'm sure we'll get a little something, a little extracurricular activity there. Snippets of his uh, oh-so-exciting life. Uh, We're here, uh, among other things, to tell you what to expect and what do you what to expect is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. Let's uh, kick things off with sure. taking a look at today's practice. Participation, nothing major brewing or uh, so it appears. Deontay Johnson uh, limited again for a second consecutive day. Uh, first day was shoulder and then cramps the issue mm-hmm. today. So the shoulder uh, seemingly better. Uh, Marcus Allen upgraded from limited to full participation. He's uh, dealing with a hamstring. Chukwuma Accor for the right tackle shows up on the Steelers' participation report as having not practiced back. Hopefully, That's new. Hopefully nothing uh, brewing there. And yeah. Cam Hayward, coach's decision, he got the veterans' day off for the Bengals. Their number four tight end, Devin Asi-Asi, uh, quad didn't practice for the second day in a row. Their number three tight end, Mitchell Wilcox, ankle limited for a second day in a row. And their number two tight end, Drew Sample, knee full participation for the second consecutive day. They've still got Hayden Hurst ready to rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, wide receiver Trent Taylor, hamstring limited today. Uh, if you're talking wide receivers with the Bengals and you're not talking about Jamar Chase, right. T. Higgins, or Tyler, Tyler Boyd, it doesn't uh, matter. doesn't really matter. I mean, those three are on the field deal. almost every snap. They live in 11 personnel with three receivers on the field. You can see why. They got three really good ones. If Boyd's your three, you're doing just fine. Matt, I wanted to uh, start. We've both done uh, a lot of analyzing and speculating and theorizing uh, throughout training camp on uh, various forms of media. But uh, I wanted to start tonight with a look back at the two games last year. Uh, I had to remind myself the Bengals finished 10 and 7 last season. Yeah, it wasn't as great as everyone thought. You know, they didn't just blow, take the league by storm. The Steelers finished 9 7 and 1. <laughs> so they, they were a half game worse than the Bengals, right. and yet. When those two teams got on the same field twice, it was no contest. No contest, especially the second one. I mean, which was just a total blowout. Um, they how ran you, all over the Steelers. How do you Steelers. count? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
both teams were four and two in the division. You know, they they both swept some other teams, but got swept by you know the Bengals, obviously the Steelers here. Um, I don't know if it's just a bad matchup or what to really make of it, because you would think the Steelers' pass rush, especially against last year's Bengals, would give them big problems. You know, I mean, they're more of a pass-first team. They, Burrow gets hit more than any quarterback in the league, and I don't think that defense is special, but Steelers didn't play well. I, I don't have a great feel for that in terms of Bengals are just a bad matchup for the Steelers, but they were clearly the better team. I think they're a bad matchup when they run for almost 200 yards, which right. they did in the second game, and they ran it effectively in the first game. Mm-hmm. Steelers had well-documented uh, stop-the-run issues all year last Huge, year, right. well, most of the year, and uh, turnovers were a problem against Cincinnati. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at the two teams now. They both made uh, the changes that every NFL team makes over the course mm-hmm. of an offseason, but uh, – you know, I, I don't see this as a matchup in which the Steelers have to trick them or scheme them or no, I don't either. Get lucky. Uh, they got to play better. They got to play better. You got to stop the run. Got to be know? capable, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to make some more big plays. Um, hundred percent. I think a lot of it, especially that second game, and Mixon's numbers against Steelers were tremendous. You know, as you mentioned, were outside zone, outside zone, outside zone, and you're just getting six, eight, four. You know, time and time again. I think they made it too easy on the Bengals. I'd be shocked if that's how this one goes, though. It's also uh, interesting to me that the Bengals had a bad offensive line last year. Mm -hmm. And that's not my opinion. That's their opinion because they changed four-fifths of it. Right. And they still made it to the Super Bowl. The Steelers have an offensive line right now that I think, uh, in my eyes at least, it's not where I thought it would be. It's, Mm -hmm. It's been a disappointment. Maybe the disappointment of training camp. It's definitely the weakest area. Slash the, team, the preseason. I think. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk Steeler quarterbacks, but I'm much more comfortable with the quarterback room than I am the O line room. Me too. Yeah, and and I I think that has the potential. Not that they have necessarily a future franchise Hall of Famer on their hands. Sure. At least not yet. But uh, I think quarterbacks, at least, are their concerns. Uh, right. The, the line is the most of their concerns. How did it's by far the biggest concern. How did the Bengals work around it last year, and how can the Steelers do that this year? Well, think about where the Bengals were 365 days ago. I mean, they had just drafted Jamar Chase with the third pick in the draft. The year before that, they had the first pick in the draft. And, you know, the, the, the narrative around the team was, this Chase guy can't catch an NFL football, drops, and he can't see the, the, the there's a lot of lines on it, the, the white lines like in college. Burrow was coming off a massive injury at this point, too. I mean, his knee was – he was questionable for week one. You know, he was coming off a huge knee injury. So, the first half of the year, they they did a nice job of, I don't say protecting Burrow, but making life a little easier. They ran the ball more. And then down the stretch, this is what's a little fearful because you look at their last eight games or so, including the playoffs. They played four playoff games. Burrow was on fire, and they threw the ball an awful lot, an extremely high percentage of the time, um, with a bad line. I mean, their line, I thought, last the last year Bengals line was worse than this Steelers line or last year's Steelers line, in my opinion. I mean, it was as bad as you see in the league. And Burrow's partially to blame for that. No one ever blames a quarterback for sacks, but I think sacks is as much a quarterback stat as it is O-line. And they were right to change their O-line as drastically as they did. But... Burrow holds the ball a little long, too. You know, I mean, I think the Steelers can still get to him tomorrow, on Sunday. Yeah, Bengals were 5-4 and four after uh, nine games yeah, last they year. they look like an average team. They went into their bye having lost to the Jets and the Browns. Wow. 
And then they came out of that with a big win at Vegas. Then they stomped the Steelers in Cincinnati to complete the sweep. Mm-hmm. Celebrated that by losing to the Chargers and losing to the 49ers. Then won three of their last four. And, uh, you know, the rest is not quite history, but they made it all the way to the Super Bowl and damn near won the thing. Damn near won the thing, right. Uh, but they, they beat uh, Vegas in the first round of the playoffs. Second round, Tennessee, 1916 win despite giving up 100, sacks, 103 sacks. Right, right. right. Thought they got lucky in that game and then beat the Chiefs in overtime right? in Kansas City. I thought they got lucky in that game. Not that, hey, full marks. They won the games. No they doubt. did what they had to do. But it, if there's a juggernaut in Cincinnati, I'm, I'm not noticing. Or I'm, not, right, I'm right. not seeing it. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I thought the AFC was, was rather weak, you know, when Tennessee's your number one seed. Um, they won – if, it, if it's not for McPherson, their kicker in the playoffs, they don't advance. You know, I didn't think Burrow even played tremendously great in the playoffs uh, as a whole. The O-line was a huge problem. Like, I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals. I mean, they, they deserve to go to the Super Bowl, and they are a legit team. They're better than the Steelers. But they had a lot of things go their way last year. The schedule they played wasn't bad. You know, it was actually quite on the easy side. They were remarkably healthy on both sides of the ball. So kind of everything fell into place for them. And you mentioned As it does for a lot of teams that's that, how you'd get that get that yeah, far. Yeah, I mean, that's how it is in all sports, I'm sure. But, um, you know, you mentioned they were 5-4 and four at one point. The narrative around them then was, wow, this is a pretty good, succeed, a pretty good season for a middling, terrible team that picks in the top five every year. You know, that we were that people were happy with them at 5-4, and four, and that's, you know, when they started to explode. Just shows how the, the league changes so fast. You know, one thing they had going for him, and I've had a couple chats uh, about this with Larry Ogunjobi, the defensive lineman mm-hmm. from the Steelers, who was with the Bengals last year, and he said they had a togetherness about them, okay, and a belief. And I think that's Burrow. They, yeah. How could it not be right? right? He he cultivates it. He inspires it. Mm-hmm. You watch him do what he does, and you think, yeah, why can't we win with this guy? Exactly. Right. right. Uh, but I don't really trust the coaching staff, but I think he's the coach and all the all the above. You know. Ogan Joby gave a lot of credit to their sticking together, and he said they were a second half team, particularly in the second half of the season. No and doubt. their approach, because uh, what did they win? Four games the year before? I think so. Uh, I mean, three, third so, draft something awful. Right, right, yeah, terrible. He, he said all they tried to do that old cliche go one and zero this week. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they didn't get together and say, "Hey, we're going to make the playoffs this year." Or, right, right. We're going to be over five hundred, or you know, some benchmark that they would be pointing at to, to say we've turned it around. They just played the games. And yeah. Whatever was necessary that week. And it's the NFL. That can happen. You can go a long way doing that stuff. No doubt. And I I think that organization, mostly because of Burrow, has a really different identity and is much harder to play against. And I, I agree with you. They're not a juggernaut, but they're here to stay. I mean, as long as they got that guy. And they can keep him healthy and they surround him with weapons. Yeah, I saw a stat. They were the yeah. first team – to have a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers who were all under the age of 26. That's interesting. And this doesn't matter for this week or this year, but one day you got to pay them all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, this is their window to do all that, to go outside the organization and build an offensive line, which, folks, the Steelers could do this offseason too. You know I mean? They're now in that shoe, those shoes as well. The years before that, they spent a lot of money on defense. Most of their defensive uh, starters are not homegrown. They're, they've got a lot of those guys in free agency the last two years, as with the offensive line, and they drafted their skilled dudes on offense. And they're in good shape. Um, 
I also think, and in, in, you know, Labs talks about this a lot. It's a lot different being. That would be Bob Labriola, the <laughs> yes, editor of Steelers Digest and Steelers.com <laughs> and part of our regular uh, pregame show team on the Steelers Radio Network. Yes, and friend of ours. Um, it's a lot different being the hunted and the hunter, in my opinion, too. You know, like Labs has mentioned many times, let's see how these teams do when they have four night games and they get home at three in the morning. And, you know, there's something to be said for that, too. Winning, I, I buy that, although I don't think Burrow's going to care. I don't think he's going to care one bit. He, I, I fear him for a decade. Yeah. Is he cocky or? Yep. But right. But he's good enough to get it done, so yeah. no problem. Charismatic, cocky, yeah. leader. I mean, whatever you want to say. And he's good. <laughs> and he's he made, tough. And he's smart. And he made right. a comment last week, and he just said it so matter-of-factly. He was doing a 10 or 11 minute session with the media in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, their versatility on offense came up. And Burrow said, if you want to play too high safety, we'll run the ball. Yeah. If you want to play man to man, good luck. See, what's funny he, is. He a, said, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. And, and he's like, right. Like, there's no way you're covering us man to man. Yeah. I may even bring this up with Merrill because it became so obvious when you look back at the Bengal season. This applies this week. When he saw single high safety instead of too high or a high degree of man, he's just going deep to, to chase. Yeah, I mean, I've used this example. It's like when I was with Pitt and we got down near the goal line, we could put up on the on the scoreboard, hey, we're throwing a fade to Larry. I mean, that's how it was. It's like if you're going to play those coverages, I'm throwing bombs all day long to chase, and we'll see if, see what you can do about it because they're special players. If I take a couple hits in the process, I don't really care, you know. So th- those are the type of things you're 100% right about. And you're even seeing this like with Mahomes and Josh Allen. They don't want to check it down and check it down and run it. You know, I mean, they're they're reeling themselves in where Burrow, I think, will nickel and dime you or take the shot over the top or hand it to Mixon time and time again and be just content to slit your throat any which way you want. It's interesting you bring up the attack single coverage thing because we've seen some of that from Mitch Trubisky as well this yeah, preseason. Yeah, right, right. And he's talked about the trust he has in the Steelers receivers. Now, their group is not as accomplished as Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. But, uh, boy, Deontay Johnson's pretty good. And Chase Claypool has still a high ceiling. I expect a big year from Fryermuth. George Pickens. uh, Fryermuth was included. uh, When they see the single outside or the single down the seam, Mm -hmm. they're going to take that shot. And it occurred to me watching, uh, I think it was the the last preseason game, you can get in a shotgun and see that, catch a shotgun snap and throw the ball immediately. And if you throw it high enough and with enough lob on it, <laughs> you know, it, it shouldn't be a protection thing. No, it, no, you it, can get it you out should quick. Get, you'll be able to get that. Most longer passes take longer to develop, but that one you can just throw and let the guy run under it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing stopping that is execution, right? Is is Chase Claypool going to go up and fall backwards and not catch it, or is he going to actually go up like a big boy receiver yeah. and get his hands out in front of him and pull it in? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of examples. Tom Brady's the best. I mean, Brady was like almost right there with Ben in terms of time to get the ball out of his hands, but he threw for a gazillion yards, threw the most passes in the league. They weren't all short. I mean, just because the ball doesn't, just because the ball comes out quick doesn't mean you can't put it down the field as long as you anticipate it like you, you said. You know, put it where they're going to be, the old Gretzky thing. You know, put it you know, where the puck's going to be. I mean, you put the ball where they're going to be, and they, they go get it. I mean, that's very possible. I like the Gretzky reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old school. Uh, let's talk about that Bengals <laughs> offensive line a little bit because we mentioned it is, it is four-fifths new. Yeah. And uh, now most of these guys are veterans. Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Leo Collins. Uh, they did draft a rookie out of the – 
was it North Dakota State or South Dakota Volson, State? Volson, he's going to be the left guard. Cordell Volson, fourth rounder, and uh, the only carryover is uh, left tackle Jonah Williams. Interesting the way the Bengals approached the preseason. They didn't play their guys. See, I think that might haunt them. None of these guys. Especially with the O-line. They've practiced together, but they have not been in a game yet together, and four-fifths of this group is new. It has to be a factor, at least early in the opener, right? I think it has to be. I mean, the whole offense didn't didn't play at all in the preseason. Yeah. And I get that. The Burrow only guy, had, the only guy was, uh, Volson, was Volson, right? Because he was competing for a job. Him and Jackson Carmen were fighting for the left guard. Yeah, spot, I think he so was. The only, I think he was only started on our side of the ball, played in the preseason. Yeah, exactly. And I get not playing Burrow, especially as he's coming off an appendectomy. Of course, you're not going to play him or Chase. Okay, but I would have played that front five quite a bit. I mean, just because they're all new together, and Volson's the weak link. I, I assume he's the, the the unknown of the group. By the way, Karras is related to Mongo. By the way, which is yeah. nice to know. Um, Jonah Williams is the only carrier. Is he really? He is. I think he's like a great nephew or a grandson uh, or something. He's he's in the in the lineage. He's way up in my book. Yeah, you gotta like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if this line's great. He's it's no he's better. no pawn in the game of life. No pawn in the game. Of he's life. a center right. for the <laughs> I think the line's better, but people act like they just signed John Hanna and Munoz. You know, like they're fine. It's an average line now. I mean, it's the NFL is an offensive line starved league. Absolutely. So if, if you, you can get average, if you go shopping for three offensive linemen from other. What are the chances you got the three best guys? Oh, of course, of yeah, course, right. They're not available. They're not available. I mean, look what the Steelers went out and got James Daniels, mm-hmm. and I, I think his play since he got here has uh, dampened some enthusiasm. I was super high on him, and we'll see. I mean, I thought the last preseason game was his best performance, but it's still. I thought he'd clearly be their best lineman yeah. right now, and he isn't yet. You know, we'll see. Um, but I don't think this, this offensive line all of a sudden is this impenetrable force or anything. It's fine. It's better. It doesn't stink anymore. It's now average. And, th- I mean, the Steelers would kill for an average offensive line. I mean, so you, that's what you have to pay for in this league. But it's uh, the Steelers with their front seven the way it is now, with uh, particularly with Larry Ogunjobi. Right. Um, they still he, have a huge advantage up front. They got a chance to win that, right? Oh, yeah. A- exploit that. I, I uh, think Collins, the right tackle, is their best guy. But – Watts better. I mean, of course. And I would assume that Sample is their blocking tight end. He'll probably spend a lot of time on the right, which allows Highsmith one-on-ones against Jonah. And people look at Jonah because he was the 10th or 11th pick in the draft. Like, he's a star. Well, and he did go to Alabama. And he went to Bama. And, you know, he's a pedigree guy and all that. But he gave up like like 10 to 12 sacks last year. I mean, he was part of the problem as well. He wasn't shutting people down. And the other guys are all... You know, average-ish interior starters. So and if they can if they can handle Mongo inside, they got a shot here. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm putting Cam Hayward over Volson all day long, or a good Joby, either way. But I'm putting somebody head up on that left guard all day long. Yeah. So, yeah. so the the starting point with all this, uh, you know, Burrow and Chase, and yeah, yeah. What's Trubisky going to be like, and is Najee going to get rolling and fire? Mm-hmm. The starting point to this matchup is can the Steelers' defensive line. Control the game. Mess things up yeah. for the Bengals' offensive line and dictate. And it's so similar to last year's you know game against the Bills. I think they were six-and-a-half-point dogs. Similar, the Bills didn't play anyone in the preseason. The Steelers prepped and prepped for it, threw all kinds of pressures and twists and stunts and blitzes, and Bills didn't pick it up particularly well. So I think it's a good time to play the Bengals in an offensive line that really hasn't played together. Got a lot more to get to tonight. Right. Uh, we are just getting started, so uh, keep it here till 8 o'clock. When we come back, we will be joined by uh, the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge. Steelers preview on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win 
is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Univet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you tonight until 8 o'clock here on our inaugural Steelers Preview for the 2022 season. No more pregame shows for preseason games. No more postgame shows for preseason games. How about it? It counts, and that's yeah. why we turn to the big gun, the the – the center on our first line of Steelers coverage. <laughs> uh, Merrill Hodge, a guy who needs no introduction, but I'm going to offer one anyway. And tonight, Merrill, it's going to be this. There's an old saying, sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. Uh, before you get to Steelers Bengals, tell us about the former. <laughs> well, I think everybody's probably seen a footage of a bear coming up a tree at some point. Rather, coming after somebody <laughs> or just coming up a tree. Well, I was in a situation where I was in Canada on a hunt, and um, let me back up. I'm just going to rewind just a little bit before I get to that point. In the wild, it is usually predominantly the big, the bigger, the badder wins. That's how the wild is. I didn't, I never knew that the crazy actually exists in the wild. Now there was a bear that was actually nuts. Okay, he was the smallest bear I've ever seen. He was. He was uh, hovering around the bait, and he would scare every bear that came in that was twice his size. I mean, he was scaring monster bear away that I was like, this is not happening. I mean, the bear was so crazy and so nuts that all of them appeared to be scared. Well, one of the bears actually started to come up my tree, and I was filming it. Like I said, like I sent the footage to you, and then I start, <laughs> then I realized, hey, wait a minute. I got a problem. I mean, this bear comes up here. I mean, yeah, I can't predict what's going to happen there. I go, so what I end up having to do, the problem, it wasn't the bear coming up the tree because I couldn't really shoot at that bear based on how everything was set up. And I, all I had was a bow. I didn't bring my gun. I had to, I didn't want to kill the bear because the bear was just a raggedy, nasty looking, he was just an ugly bear. But I had to, I had to, I had to take the bear I didn't want so that he would quit chasing the bear that was coming up my tree. So once I did that, he got on the tree and left and everybody survived. But, um, well, it was almost our hunt I've ever been on now. Well, is... well, yeah, you're right. One, one bear didn't survive, but he, I really wish he would have, cause I did not want that bear. And he was, he was actually even ugly. I mean, he was an ugly bear. I mean, he, he looked like he'd been in like a laundry mat. And, you know, didn't finish clean. I just, I've never seen a bear like that. It's the ugliest bear I've ever seen in my life. Are, are you now no longer invited back to Chicago Bears reunions? Yeah, yeah, bro. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's not good if you kill the mascot, right? <laughs> well, who's going to get the bear Sunday? Let's fast forward to a little football. 
Well, I say this. Here's what I do like about week one, and then when you have a lot of uh, new faces, which, which the Steelers do, and then, and then you got guys that have changed in vital positions at the quarterback position. Listen, there's not even the coaches really know what what they're going to see um, come Sunday. I'm sure they have an idea of what they expect to see, but let's back up to preseason. Preseason is is an evaluation aspect, and there's teams some teams that have to evaluate a lot more than other teams. So let's look at the Buffalo Bills. They're, that team's pretty pretty put together. The same guys are there. they got a few additions. But for the most part, they're who they are. Coaches aren't, don't have to worry about that. Now, if you look at the Steelers on offense and defense, especially offense, you gotta you got to look at – coaches are always are evaluating in preseason. That's why preseason can look so bad. Um, you, it doesn't look like there's any continuity. It's kind of sporadic. You know, you don't play the entire game. So, you know, 60 snaps is a lot different than 16. Um, but the coaches are looking at what players can do well. I'll give you the best example. When Bill Cowher came in this first year, which I don't know if we scored a touchdown. I'm, I'm sure we did, but I just don't remember scoring one. Um, I didn't know if we were going to ever score one. Um, when we were – I mean, we were very – I mean, we were all over the place. We were not very good. We were, there was no consistency at anything. And then we went into a game plan on Wednesday – and it was interesting how they had compiled the entire preseason and narrowed it down to a game plan. And, and really, I remember Ron Earhart talking about, hey, listen, we did a lot of things. This is what we do well. And so during preseason, that's what they were doing. They were trying all these different things. And then you filter out what everybody did well, and we're going to go on that, and we're going to take that into the arena when we go to Houston. And we end up going into Houston and beating them. This is supposed to be the best team in, in the NFL and, and especially the AFC. So – I can't really predict. It'll be a fascinating game on uh, on Sunday. Um, how you predict stuff from preseason is very hard, but um, I can tell you this: their offensive line issues. I know has been a highlight, but their last game they played pretty well. I mean, the, the five that they started, they played pretty well. You know, and if they can play like that consistently for sixty snaps, I mean that's the key. You know, then they're going to have a chance because they got guys around them, obviously, in the perimeter aspect that can make plays, running, running the ball, and throwing the football. I mean, and catching it. So, um, I, I think you might be a little more surprised, and you know, preseason just can can fool a lot of people. And but in Cincinnati, you know, they're a good football team. They got better. You know, they're not going to be worse. So it's not an easy game for them, but um, um, it'll be an interesting. Week one, that is for sure. More interesting than it's probably been in 18 years, however long seven was under center. Once he, you know, took over the reins, you, there was a lot of a lot more consistency there than than they've had in the past. So um, it'll be fun. I think it might be the most intriguing week one you've had in almost 20 in two decades. Yeah, Mer- I agree with you with the O line on the uh, the last preseason game. I mean, it started to look like a cohesive unit. Um, I'm gonna get the low-hanging fruit though out of the way. What are your what's your take on Mitch Trubisky? What are you expecting from him? You know, how's he fit in this Canada offense? All of the above. Well, um, now listen. When, when Mitch, I think you got to go back and you got to understand who Mitch Trubisky is, mm-hmm. what his strengths, weaknesses are. Okay, now coming out of North Carolina, this was his two biggest issues. He was not a very good quick decision maker. He's very erratic. Not a very good. Not a consistent decision maker. Not a consistent passer either. And he struggled in critical situations. That's third down scoring territory. 
it's the exact same thing that happened to him in Chicago and, you know, ran him out of Chicago is that he struggled being consistent on critical downs and making good decisions and making consistent throws. It's exactly how he was at North Carolina. Okay. That we'll see if he's corrected that. Now in preseason, I didn't see it. You know, um, I'll give you the Jacksonville game, for example. You probably remember the two scrambles he had. Okay, those are two throws, two times that he should not have scrambled. He was the corner smash option. He should have just thrown the smash right away. You're you're in an early down, get the completion. But he scrambled, threw it downfield, and it was incomplete. The next one, he threw a pick. And that ball should have gone out. See, when your offensive line struggles, you know, everybody's like, well, we got a guy that can run. That's not what you want. That's not going to help your offensive line. That cost is going to hurt your offensive line. It's going to make it worse if you've got a guy who's willing to run versus throw the football. I think same game, Jacksonville. Um, Pickett. Pickett threw one of the best passes, actually, of the game. I can't remember. It was to the tight end. I can't remember who, what tight end it was, but it was about 28-yard com- completion. Um, Green. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was Friermuth. Um Kendrick Green got really beat. That play was highlighted because he got beat so bad and, and hit um, Pickett. But what was lost in all of that is Pickett completed it. And, and he, Pickett's decision-making, even in college, he's a very good, quick decision-maker. And he illustrated that in preseason. I mean, that ball comes out. I mean, it might not go down the field, but oftentimes the defense is saying we're taking that away from you. Um, throw the check down. Like, here's why Tom Brady's the greatest, Tom Brady's the greatest in the history of the game. Even today, in 21 years, if you're going to sit there and play coverage to him and tell him to throw a flat, throw a check down, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And that's what drives more quarterbacks out of our league that make, um, that drive them to the bench is they don't take, they don't execute the play. They don't take the check down. They don't take the flat. And they don't do it in a decisive manner. When you have an offensive line that's struggling, that's what you need. You don't need a guy who's running. Listen, those other guys can run too. All of them are good enough athletes to run around. Trubisky's not some magical, gifted runner. He can just run. I mean, Pickett can too. Mason Rudolph can too. All of them run about equally. Their athletic ability to move is equal. That's not what you need. You need somebody who's a quick, decisive decision maker and is going to get the ball out. And he struggled. He, he was like that in college. Um, you know, I studied him in college. I thought he was um, – it really concerned me. It really concerned me. He had one of the worst bowl games I've ever seen in the history of college football. Um, he misses guys that were wide open. Um, shoot, the only last games he ever played in Chicago, Minnesota. I mean, it was one of the worst games I've ever seen in scoring territory by a quarterback. So, you know, listen, but I, now a guy, now that I'll be in and that's the evidence, okay? That's, I'm not making that up. That is the stone-cold evidence of how he has played. They didn't run him out of Chicago because he plays good football. There's a reason he left Chicago. That being said, he hasn't played for a year. He has sat there. And there is something to that at times that can help a player no matter what his position is. Um, and in this game, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll be able to do those things because that's what, the, that's what the offense needs. It doesn't need a guy who can run. You know, that is so overblown and so missing. Nobody's ever run themselves to a championship. Give me one team that's ever had their quarterbacks be so dynamic they ran themselves to a Super Bowl. If Michael Vick can't do it, Lamar Jackson can't do it, it ain't happening. You're going to eventually, whatever you did with your legs, you got to convert to your arm at some point. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays. I'm interested to see how he plays. I'm hoping he plays well. I'm, 
I mean, I'm a favorite that's playing well. I want him to do better um, and play well there. But that has been his, his really his biggest issues. He's he gets stuck on people. Um, and what I mean, stuck in decisions. And then instead of throwing it, he'll run. And that hurts your offense. It doesn't help your offense. You know, fans will see it as, oh, he's running. Well, ah. Oftentimes, he shouldn't be running. That ball should have come out. And that's really what you need. If he, if he could be a more decisive decision maker. And then in critical downs. I mean, he is – he has moments. But he's just not been ever consistent. You know, from college to the NFL, he has not been consistent in critical moments. So, that'll be his test. If he can get better at critical moments, scoring territory being quick and decisive with the ball, uh, you got a shot, you know, and, and if he plays like that, he will, uh, um, you know, it'll aid to the offense and the entire team. Merrill, is this going to be a pop quiz or like the SAT? Mike Tomlin has said that Trubisky will not have a short leash. Tomlin doesn't believe in that. He's been voted an offensive captain, either voted or he was made one by the coaches because they wanted him to be one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't get to count the ballots. I don't know how that <laughs> right, process right. works, but – uh, do you think he should be looking over his shoulder at Kenny Pickett, or do you think he's got at least a half a season to see how this thing plays out? Yeah, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a hard question. I mean, listen, if a guy's playing terrible and he's you got one kill in 10, I don't care what you said in the process, you can't, keep, you can't keep him out there. And I don't expect that to happen. But I don't think you ever go into a, a, you know, a season and, you know, say if the guy doesn't play well in the first half, we're going we're gonna to yank him. you got to give him – some time and he can't always pin it on him too you know yeah I'm, you know i'll just mention a lot about mitchell trubisky i mean listen uh, that doesn't mean the offensive line is not going to break down and he's going to have to you know make a play and he when he can make plays you know when things do break down but you know here's what we don't know you don't know what those meetings are like and i've been on both sides of, of the of the desk there a coach and a player um and media is never in those meetings. So I, I am sure that's already been established of what kind of trust I have in you. This is what I, I'll take my quarterback. Even when I've made mistakes, I've pulled him in. So listen, I've made a mistake. Um, and that'll never happen again. But if, let's say I'm, I'm the head coach and I've told Mitchell Chris, you ain't got to worry. I've told the media that. Oh, I've already talked to him about that. I've already talked to him about that. He knows exactly where I stand. And I'm going to stay true to true to that, unless there are circumstances that we can't predict right now end up happening. And then you got to do what's best for the team in those scenarios. But now, all that being said, you didn't draft Pickett to sit on the sideline. At the end of the day, he's going to be your starter. At some point, he's going to be your starter. You know, now is it? Does he get a full year? I'm sure that's the plan. I would. Like, I'm sure they'd like to see Trubisky play well enough that they that they don't they don't put him out there. They let him have, you know, mature for a year and a little and sit there and learn some things from the sideline to help him once he does start. But I will tell you this, Pickett is one of those guys. I'm telling you, when I was watching him in college, I didn't know what to expect. But when I put the tape on that guy, he did so many things that you just don't see college quarterbacks do, like how he manages a drive, how he got points out of, out of uh, situations. Like in college, they don't really, you don't really see that. They have to be taught that. And he did that, you know, how he executes the play. I'm telling you, I, I go back to Tom Brady, Joe Montana, all the great ones, they execute plays. They do what the play tells them. Do they make plays and can they make plays? Yes. And he's done that too. But um, I'm hoping that Trubisky can play well, because if he plays well, then the, the, the team has a, a good shot. If he doesn't play well, then they're going to, 
and then I have no shot. So where are you at on this Burrow character from the Bengals? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, honestly, he's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen coming yeah. out of college. I mean, just – I'll tell you the, great, the best part was the LSU – the one next year, the LSU-Clemson game, national championship game, when they rattled his boat. I mean, they came out well, – listen, you got a whole month. You know, see, like, this is what week one's about, too. Everybody's been preparing this for six, six, seven months, to be honest with you. This isn't like a week's preparation. Months have been prepared for these opening day games, okay? Even in training camp, well, they rattled Burrow. I mean, they had him, I mean, shell-shocked. And how he composed himself and settled himself down and the way he made throws and executed in that national championship game, aside from all the other things he had already shown, really showed me that he had something special. You know, that he he does he can play in certain circumstances. He's, I, mean, I love his accuracy. And he's a good quick decision maker, too. You talk about – I think there's three things to translate from college to the NFL you have to have. If you don't have, it's an arduous journey. You got to be a good, quick decision maker. I don't care what your system is. If you had a pro system, that's even better, which Pickett did have. So you can tell he knows how to make decisions. Two, you got to be accurate. You have to be accurate in all aspects of the game. And then you have to have instincts and a pocket presence. Like, if you don't have those three things and you can't play in a dirty pocket, you just can't play in the NFL consistently. You know, half, what, 70% of throws are from a dirty pocket, you know. So key to do all those things. Pickett did all all of those things. But Burrow is he's a special cat, you know. Um I I loved him coming out of college and and he's illustrating it now. And they you know, they have some personnel around him that, you know, make them a you know gonna be dangerous for as long as they stay together for several years. You know, and if their yeah. offensive line has improved like I think they hope it is. I mean, you can't really tell. Like, you know, I you know, like the Steelers did played much better than their last one, but and the Bengals had their issues too, so you, they, I know they have question marks there too. You know, and it might listen. At the end of the day, it's probably going to come down to that. Which offensive line it played better and plays better? It could come down to to that. They're not going to be on the highlight reel because it's going to be some playmaker, but that could be what this game comes down to: is how well these offensive lines that are in question mark play. Merrill, it is great to be back. Uh, if you can uh, get a Bengal with a bow before Sunday, maybe that'll put the <laughs> Right, Juju. Well, on I this guess thing. If, if we're gonna if we're gonna select one, I guess it's the, what is the BB, the Burrow with a bow. <laughs> oh, he can't play. <laughs> that helps the Steelers. Great catching up again, Merrill. We'll do it next week. Absolutely, go Steelers, baby. Merrill Hodge, uh, first of his uh, weekly appearances with us here. On the preview, uh, you can gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets. You can also visit online at shop.steelers.com. One more segment to go. Mike Pursuta with Matt Williamson. This is Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to the preview. Mike Pursuta, Matt Williamson with you until 8 tonight. The Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank reminds you to sack hunger this season. Get food, volunteer, or donate at pittsburghfoodbank.org. Matt, uh, just uh, a few minutes to go here before we wrap things up for the first edition this season. And... Uh, I wanted to get to this before we got out of here. I think one of the compelling developments 
we started talking about how did the Bengals beat them and their records in the regular season were almost identical. Uh, one guy has changed sides in this uh, divisional war. Larry Ogunjobi yeah. was, I think, uh, an underrated component of the Bengals' defense last year, particularly providing push up the middle. He had seven or seven and a half sacks. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly what Second it was. Second or third on the team right there behind but Henderson, yeah. He consistently generated pressure up the middle, and I think that really set the table for Hubbard and Hendrickson, the edge guys, because yeah. the quarterback didn't have anywhere to step up. Now, all of a sudden, Larry Ogunjobi lands in Pittsburgh, which had profound issues stopping the run last oh. year. He should help there. And now it's going to be T.J. Watt, who doesn't seem to need much help, <laughs> no. and Alex Highsmith, the beneficiaries, if Ogunjobi generates the same kind of up-the-middle pressure. I think this guy is a key figure for both of these teams. I think they were incredibly fortunate that Ogunjobi was available when he was. Incredibly yeah, fortunate. Incredibly fortunate, right. He's a difference maker. He's not a Trey Turner fill-in guy late in the process who's fine. He's a difference maker that they got at a good price. You know, he's the only piece off that Bengals defense that's really different. I mean, they're running back the same crew, throw Dax Hill in the mix, Ogunjobi's gone. But he's going to be missed for them. And I think he's a huge benefactor, or the Steelers are a huge benefactor as a pass rusher, as just an interior presence, as you mentioned. Take a little off Cam's plate. You know, make Warmly your fourth now instead of your two. You know, I mean, all that stuff works out great. You kind of led me right where I wanted to go there, uh, dropping the Dax Hill reference. The uh, I'm a fan. First-round draft pick out of Michigan. Uh, yeah, and like that, uh, yeah. I, just, I didn't watch the Bengals in the preseason. I'm told he had a fantastic preseason. Mm-hmm. And to me, this guy's the wild card. You mentioned same defense from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like either one of their corners, uh, Eli Apple or uh, Chidobe Awuzie. I think they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're not great. I don't think Von Bell's a cover guy, and he's nope. four feet tall, so if you can't right, throw right. over him, Bates is great. But uh, what do they do with Dax Hill? How – Quickly do they get him involved? How versatile pieces he – this is a guy yeah. – they said he was a safety with cornerback cover skills Absolutely. and safety hitting ability, speed. You're right. Uh, the Steelers have no idea how they're going to use him because they haven't played their starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have some wrinkles with Dax Hill. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I hesitate to say this because I'm very impressed with Pickett. But when the Steelers were on the clock at 20 and I was doing live radio, I said I'd take Dax Hill. You know, that, that, I, I love the guy. I remember you out. loved him. I loved him. A yeah, little, little too much, I thought, at the time. Well, considering his, where his alma mater, like, you yeah. may be a little prejudiced. Anyhow, I think a really key int- you know, component of this game is Claypool in the slot against Mike Hilton. We all like Mike Hilton, but he's a little fella. Yeah. Dax Hill can be a slot, and maybe he's man coverage on Fryermuth. Maybe he's banging Claypool around out of the slot. Maybe he's deep half with with Bates. I mean, that's the thing I love about the You can guy. really hold up against the run as long as it's not enough. I mean, as long as it's not Kenneth Walker to third, <laughs> who doesn't play for the Steelers. So that won't be a problem for Hill this time. He can play near the line of scrimmage, yeah. you know, as a slot, as a blitzer, phenomenal athlete. I think he's a real difference maker for them too. And kind of like the Ogunjobi thing, I'm shocked he lasted that late into the, you know, the 31st pick. And then my last wild card, kind of a similar, uh, Situation mm-hmm. with the Steelers, uh, Demonte Casey was looking like he had yeah. carved a role out for himself, and that was in turn going to free up Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. They could spend have a little more fun with Minka Fitzpatrick rather than just keep him back in deep center field. Right. I mean, Willie Mays is a great center fielder, impact player is a deep center fielder, but a guy who can run all over the place and blitz some and and go attack the football. Right. Do they still have the depth in the secondary? 
scares me now. To take the uh, shackles off of Minka Fitzpatrick I mean, I and let him have to be Norwood. Let him roam. Yeah, I would I think. Kellebrew can't do deep middle. No, you don't want Edmonds doing deep middle. No, you know, so it would have to be Norwood. I'd be a lot more comfortable with KZ. I thought that was a great signing as well. That you know, and the example I've been using all off season is you could sit KZ in deep middle, and when you play the Ravens, Minka, you got Andrews. You know, or you have Kelsey, you know, kind of like we just talked about with Dax Hill. Big slots, blitz, play the, you know, all the stuff he did at Bama. I think they'll probably put that on the back burner a little until KZ's back. I yeah. think they will, too. It's yeah. something, to, something to keep uh, keep in the back of your mind. Uh, not much time left, but we got a ball game tonight. The Bills at the Rams. Yeah, I'm so psyched. The defending champs are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Who do you like? I think the Rams win it. And we talked about, uh, we didn't bring up Levi Wallace, but he is not a Bill anymore. Their best corner, White, is out. So they're going to play three corners that are vastly inexperienced. Um, I think Aaron Donald just wrecks things tonight. I think it's going to be a really good game. Super Bowl champ versus the favorite to win it this year. But I always feel for the road team walking in on these opening night, Thursday nights. I mean, that's a buzzsaw you're walking into. Yeah, it used to be they would schedule it as more of a coronation than a a competitive game. Right, right, right. Uh, lately, they've changed that and, uh, tonight. Uh, boy, it doesn't get any better than this to kick things off. That's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks to uh, our producer tonight, Jacob Reck, uh, who's putting his uh, Indiana University skills to great use behind Indeed. the glass. Thanks to Merrill for joining us. And uh, thanks to you for finding us. Steelers Preview on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk to you again next week after Cincinnati when the Steelers are getting ready to play the New England Patriots in the 2022 home opener. Until then, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. Thanks for finding us whenever and however you found us. This has been Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Good night, everybody. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.